welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Man, as we sang that song, even in first service, I just got this picture and, you know, it says, um, man, sing a hallelujah in the presence of our enemies. Out of all the things that I, I got to believe that Satan hates the most is that when he's bearing down and pushing down on you and he thinks that he has you, up from the ashes, you have a voice that arises and says, thank you, Jesus, despite my circumstance. And all of a sudden, man, the enemy's like, what do I have to do? Like, what do I have to do to try to bring you down? And he cannot steal the joy of Christ in our life, amen? He cannot. And so it's got to drive him absolutely crazy. Because I see this I, all through Scripture. I'm not, I'm not going to preach this, but I'm going to preach this. They call this my second sermon, so I'm going to preach this, all right? Listen, like I see the Israelites surrounding their Jericho. And they know that that Jericho is what's stopping them from entering into all that God has. And they're fearful, and the Lord's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this down for you. And they don't see it right away. Right away. And so he says, just march, 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 march. And they march it around it. And he says, on the seventh day, on the seventh time, just make a shout. Just shout. And I got to believe in their minds they were thinking, God, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work. But when they shouted, it says the walls came down. Amen? When they roared, it says the walls came down. And so I gotta believe that in that song just now, when Ryan said, can we just shout to the Lord? I gotta believe people's walls started crumbling. The strongholds started crumbling. And maybe you don't see it right now, but you will. And maybe you're not gonna see it just today, but you will. Because the walls are loosened, amen? The walls are loosened. And so I just wanna speak that over you today because I don't know, I'm just all on fire for Jesus right now. So, woo, all right. We're gonna, we're gonna do baby dedications now. This is awesome. So if you are, yeah, if you're a family and you've got a child that's being dedicated today, come on up here on the stage, would you? Any of the families that you guys know, you signed up, you're coming up, come on up here. If you've got a child getting ready to be dedicated, come on up here on the stage. I'm telling you right now, life is booming, okay? And there's um, two ways that church grows, man. You're very evangelistic and love Jesus, which I believe we are, and you really, really, you, you encourage everybody to be fruitful and increase in number, all right? And I'm telling you right now, we've got uh, some awesome, awesome babies and kids. Come on up here. Everybody come on up here. Some awesome families. Come on up here. Squeeze together. Squeeze together. We'll move this back here. You guys can move on down this way a little bit. Awesome. Come on up here. So good. Oh, I love this. I want to, um, I want to pass the mic down and have you introduce your family, who you are, and each of your children that are gonna be dedicated. So one of you guys can do it, however you wanna do it. All right, my name is uh, Tyler Morton. This is my wife, Paige, and this is our son, Kanan. We are David and Brandy Dunn, and this is our daughter, Marilyn. Sorry, I'm Christina, and this is Jordan Ost, and we're dedicating Eloise and Rosalind. Eloise and Rosalind, all right. Hi, I'm Andy, this is Macy, and today we're dedicating Charlie. All right. Elliot and Natalie. Can can we give them all a hand today? So so a couple things are happening uh, in the life of the church. You guys know we love to do dedications, and we love to see families come up and, and just give their kids back to the Lord. And usually we do kind of a family at a time, but all of a sudden we started bursting at the seams. Um, we've got, like, kids, I, I don't even know where they're coming from, all right? They just come from out of the woodwork everywhere. And so we're like, man, how cool would it be if we just start doing group dedications, family dedications together? And, and so today we kind of just set apart, and we said today is our dedication Sunday. And I always get to hold the kids and so if I can, um, I just, I'm going to go real quickly and do drive-bys, okay? Okay, awesome. I can't really do that with this one here, but I'm going to. Oh, my goodness. You are the lightest thing ever. Oh, I love, I love. Okay. Oh, is it because you want me to hold you up in front of everybody? Okay, okay. Oh, come here. Come here, little one. Oh, right here. There we go. You guys all see? Yeah? Oh, this is the best part of my job right here. I got to be honest with you. Someday I hope somebody dedicates a 15-year-old so I can be like, all right, I'm going to hold you up real quick. Oh, there we go. Now you're smiling. Say hi to everybody. Oh. Okay. Good girl. All right. 
Come here, sis. Okay, are we good? Are we happy? We're happy. We're happy. Say hi to everybody. Okay, there's mom. Okay. Okay. So let me, let me share with you real quick um, why we do dedications and why they're so important. Um, we believe that God gives us these gifts of, of children in our life, but the, they're not ours. Amen? Everything, scripture says, everything on heaven and earth belongs to the Lord. And we believe that everything, step out. I want everybody to see you guys. Everything on heaven and earth belongs to the Lord. And so we read all through scripture about how in 1 Samuel chapter one, there was a gal named Hannah and she longed for a son and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed and God gave her a son and she'd said, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And we see it in the same thing in Luke chapter two, verse 22, where Mary and Joseph, they were given Jesus and they gave Jesus back to the Lord. It was just, it's a beautiful picture of saying, God, we trust at the end of the day, you've given us these kids to steward well, but they belong to you. And so I wanna to read to you something and we read it all the time out of Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through seven, and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the, God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These are the commandments that I give you today. These are to be on your hearts. Impress them into your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. There's something that I wanna show the families today. Each of the families are gonna get a little Bible and they're gonna get one of these jars. And on these jars, it says 936, 936. And it's got all these little um, pom-pom things in here. And it says there are 936 weekends from this child's birth to the time that they turn 18 and they'll be in your home. It's just a phase and it flies by, but it's pivotal. And you see these jars, they've got a lot of empty space because these kids have a lot of life but these, these, these pom-poms in here represent the amount of weekends that you have with them. And so each weekend you can take one out and you can realize how quickly it goes. Sometimes you'll wanna take four, four or five out at a time, right? But then you'll have those days where you look down and you'll say, where did the time go? You'll have those days when frustration is gone and things have really sunk in and you'll go, Man, why did I keep saying, oh, I'm gonna put off this one more weekend, we'll do it next weekend, we'll do it next week, and we'll do it next weekend, and you'll start to realize how quickly it really goes. Why is this important? It's important because God has given us a certain amount of time with our kids where we get to teach them who they are in Christ, where we get to pour value into them, where we get to remind them of who their identity is in Jesus. And so this morning, I ask you as parents, as you dedicate your children to the Lord, I ask you, in this time that you have with your kids, Will you speak the love of God into their life? Will you remind them that whatever the world says about them doesn't matter, it's whatever God has already said about them that matters? Will you remind them that although the road does get bumpy, Jesus is their one hope that they can cling to for the hope and the rest of their life? And will you remind them of this? Will you remind them that Jesus will never leave them nor forsake them, but he's with them all the days of their life, answering we will with God's help. And then we say this all the time, that as a church family, uh, it's more than just the families that stand up here. We stand with these families here. And you guys have a responsibility here. You have a responsibility to come beside them. You have a responsibility to walk with them. You have a responsibility that when they're juggling kids and things, to come up and encourage them to catch their kids if they're loose, whatever it is, amen? Because we believe that as a church family, God calls us to raise our families together that we're not lone rangers trying to do it alone, but they need your prayer, they need your encouragement, they need your support. And so will you be faithful to uphold your end of the bargain, being a community of believers, answering we will with God's help. As we pray over these kids today, can I just encourage you to extend the hand out? I'm just gonna walk down the line and we're just gonna pray over each one. And let's just pray that what, wherever the Lord sends them, whatever the Lord does with them, that God would use them for his plans and for his purposes. So Father, we thank you so much for each of these families and each of these kids, Lord. We dedicate them, Jesus, to you. Although you've given them to this family, God, what they're saying today, Father, is that they give them back to you because they're declaring, God, that these kids, although you've given them to steward well, these kids truly do belong to you. And so, Father God, as Tara, Pastor Tara and myself are up here and all the hands of this faith community are upon them, would you bless this family, Father? 
Would you bless these kids? Would you bless these marriages, God? I'm praying for these dads, these dads that stand up here today to be the spiritual fathers that these kids need. I'm praying, God, that you would help these dads in moments where they feel like they've messed up, in the moments where they feel like they've missed the mark. I pray, God, that you would remind these dads that they're not perfect, you're perfect. You're the perfect father. And these moms, God, when anxiousness comes on these moms' hearts, when these moms feel like they've missed the mark or they didn't do it good enough, Father, we speak against every lie that the enemy brings into their hearts, and we tell each of these moms up here, you were selected and qualified by the God of the universe, that there was no other mom that was supposed to be in their life but you, and he chose you. And so, God, will you seal that up? I pray that these marriages grow stronger and stronger and stronger so that these children see moms and dads who are deeply in love with each other and deeply in love with you. And so, God, we consecrate and we bless each one of these kids, Father. We thank you for each one of them, God, and we just declare that you're going to use each one of them for a mighty purpose of God. And we give them back to you. Now use them, Father, for your will, for your work for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Can you give them a hand? Thank you, guys. You guys are dismissed. And we've got those jars out there and some Bibles for you guys as you exit out. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers. If you guys would come on forward, we're going to take up our offering real quick and, and just uh, spend a moment in prayer. Father God, we thank you and we love you and we just declare that today is your day. We're ready to encounter you, God. We want nothing else but Jesus, nothing else but Jesus. And so, Lord, would you just come in here? Um, Lord, your word says that we're just going to stand on the promise. If we draw near, you'll draw near. So, God, we're asking for encounters today. Um, Lord, I pray even as we take up the offering that you would use it for your kingdom. Father, we pray that you'd use it for your glory. We have no desire to build reliance, but what we do want to do is partner with you in kingdom building. Lord, for those that are out there struggling today, they've got things on their heart, family dynamics, they've got um, physical illnesses, cancer, um, I think of the Castle family and Matt's dad, I pray for all of those things, Jesus, and we submit those to you, and we say that you're a big enough God where we can bring all of our burdens, anxieties, and worries, and you say to cast them on the Lord, that you're big enough to shoulder all of those, Lord, so that we don't have to, and so we give those to you today, Father, and then today, God, we release our baggage that we can walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen. how many love you some Jesus today? Amen. Well, first of all, it's good, uh, it's good to have you on this Memorial Day weekend. If you're a visitor, uh, we love to have you. If you're a regular, it's always good to be uh, with family. Um, always kind of find it interesting that on Memorial Weekend, that's kind of usually lake days for people where you go out to the lake and God's sense of humor is like, I'm just going to bring the lake to you so you don't miss church, right? Um, and so if your plans got messed up this weekend and you were supposed to be out at the lake, um, I'm just going to say God has something for you today. Whether it was from the worship, whether it was from the dedications, whether it was from our prayer time in groups, God has something for you today. And so you will not leave empty. Amen? You will not leave empty. And, and I believe that to the very core. Um, I... I uh, <laughs> I've been enjoying, with all the rain, I've been enjoying all the pictures that people have been posting on Facebook, and so I, I had to share my favorite one, I can't wait to mow any longer. Have you guys seen that one? And so I came up a, for a, a solution for you guys right there. <laughs> if any guy can build that or any gal can build that, let us know. We will market those things in Kansas, all right? Um, it, it's just been a crazy month. I got to tell you, the month of May has been crazy. We, we, we knew that it was going to be busy. We kind of, uh, uh, kind of coined this month just a month of celebrations, just celebrating life, because we wanted to honor people well. This whole month, we wanted to honor people well. We've had uh, uh, graduations. The first Sunday of May was preschool graduation, and we want to honor them. And then we had Mother's Day, and we wanted to honor all the women in the room, and we did that. And then we had uh, this last Sunday, graduation for high school seniors and, and college folks, and we wanted to honor you guys. And so this whole month has just been absolutely kind of just crazy. And I just want to say, man, it's so cool to be able to honor one another, isn't it? I was thinking about on Mother's Day a couple of weeks ago, how we just had a bunch of guys that volunteered to serve in the kids' ministry so that all the women could be in here. And I, and, and I find it really interesting that on that Sunday, we had more of those kids' numbers that popped up than ever before. Did you guys notice that? I, 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 I picture these guys in here going, I don't know what to do, buzz the parent, right? Um, but we just had a great time. It's just been a great season. Some of you guys, I want to make a disclaimer. Some of you guys have emailed me and Ryan and Matt and Jacob. And you, I don't know if you knew, but on Mother's Day, there was a, a little card shop set up in the men's bathroom for Mom's Day cards. 
And some of you guys emailed us and said, thank you guys so much. And I'm like, there's no way that was ever birthed in the, in the brain of a man, okay? Like me, Matt, Ryan, and Jacob did nothing on that. I want to be clear on that. But I will say that I walked in at 5 a.m. and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. What car do I want for Christy, right? <laughs> it's not true. I got my card early. I want you to know that. But here's how I know it was effective. There were 30 cards gone from the card shop in the men's bathroom. There are 30 marriages that are better marriages because of that card shop. There are 30 better sons in here today because of that card shop. It's the little things, all right? It's the little things. So it's just been a fun month. We've really just enjoyed celebrating life with you guys over the last um, couple of weeks. Um, and so today we want to finish strong. We want the month of May to kind of finish strong in that. We're going to start in June and July. We're just going to study First and Second John and go verse by verse. But today I want to finish strong in, in, in this particular mo- uh, Sunday of May where we talk about something that's very near and dear to our hearts in light of the dedications, in light of celebrating people's lives all through this month. Today I want to take time and talk about the greatest investment that we can make. The greatest investment that we can make on planet Earth. And that investment, of course, is talking about pouring in and sowing into the next generation. I want to talk about this because it's very near and dear to the heart of this church here at Reliance. We are incredibly passionate about the next generation because we see the greatest impact in life isn't on what we're going to do here and now, but on what it's going to carry on into the future generations. Amen? Like we see it, we see that like what we do, we could have the greatest worship service today, but if we're not impacting the next generation, then it doesn't matter. And so our heart here is to say, look, if we can do this well, if we can do this mandate of carrying this thing on into the next generation well, then we fulfill the mandate that Jesus Christ placed on our life. And so it's very, very near and, and dear to our hearts. And we've got, this summer, we've got youth camps coming up, and we've got kids camps coming up, and we've got kingdom culture, which is kind of that college career age. And there's always a generation that can be impacted. And I want you to know that the reason that we're so passionate about this is because any successful person who started a business up knows that the principle behind this idea is that they can't be so focused on what happens in just that first month or that first year or even those first two years that all of their sweat and all of their sacrifice and all of their investment they're putting into that thing is for what's going to happen in five to 10 years. And that same principle is the same kingdom principle of the gospel of the next generation. That everything that God is stirring in our hearts right now and everything that we want to see God do right now and all the ways that we want to encounter God right now is not just here for this moment, but it's so that we can share with the generations to come about how good our God is. And it's stirring in our hearts. I want you to know that. I want to see revival. We talk about this all the time. I want to see God move. I want to see the city of Wichita so stirred with the love of God, but I don't want to see it just for this year. I want to see it so that 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, when we're lying on our deathbeds, that we look back and we were say, we're saying, literally, we were part of one of the greatest times of carrying this into the next generation. Because that's what matters to the heart of God, not just the here and now, but what are we doing for the things to come? And you'll find this over and over and over in Scripture that how we sow today How we sow, when we talk about sowing, how we plant today, how we sow these things today will determine the harvest that we reap tomorrow. And so we've got to be a place that sows well, that plants well. And you'll see this overarching theme in in Scripture of sowing well into the next generation. And we've shared this numerous times in here, but I just want to share it again that, you know, my heart is really that I don't want to just produce fruit for my own life. I know that God says that you're called to produce fruit and not just any fruit, but fruit that lasts. But I don't, I don't believe that we're just trying to produce fruit for our own life. I, I love that quote that says, I don't, I don't wanna just plant and just produce fruit for my own life. I wanna plant trees so that we see lots of lives producing fruit, amen? And this is that principle of sowing into the next generation. Let me just real quickly lay a foundation. Can you turn those down just a little bit, Clint? Let me lay a foundation with these scripture verses up here um, as I read through these. Psalm 145.4 says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim. Somebody say proclaim. Proclaim. 
Let them proclaim your power. I love the NIV. It says, let them tell of your mighty power. Psalm 102, 18 says, let this be recorded, recorded for future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. God is so intent on the next generation that he's saying that these things that are happening, that the way that God is moving in your and I's lives right now is so that we can tell a generation that hasn't even come into an existence yet. This is how passionate God is. Psalm 71, 18, even when I'm old and gray, I love this, even when I'm old and gray, you've got this guy, he's, he's praying to the Lord. He's like, God, when I'm old and gray, I have nothing left. I feel like I have nothing left in that moment. He says, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare. Somebody say declare. Declare, declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout, somebody say all, generations forever and ever. And I could share a ton more that I looked up. And there's this theme of all of these verses that hopefully you're seeing, this theme throughout Scripture that God is big on this generation to generation to generation to generation thing. And that's how culture was in those days. Culture in those days, they would hear these stories of what God had, had done. You can read it in the Old Testament. The people of God would wander away, and then somebody would find the Word of God. Somebody would find the stories of God written down, and, and they would find the manuscript, and they would read it to the people. And the people would drop to their faces, and they would weep, and they would throw ashes, and they would repent, and they would come back to the Lord. And there was a time when they came back to the Lord where they were absolutely just blessed and then the next generation would wander away from God and then somebody would find the book of the law again and they would read it and they would say, God, we have so wandered away from you. But what they were reading is how faithful God was from generation to generation. And it's the same thing today. They would tell the stories of God. They would remind the generations after them how good and how faithful God really is. <laughs> and so I believe that today God has that same thing for us. That today we are supposed to remind each generation how faithful God really is. And here's why. Because if we miss the mark, it can be detrimental to the next generation. Now listen to what I mean by that. We've read this in here before. In Judges chapter 2, there's a warning. In Judges chapter 2, the people have just settled into the promised land. They've defeated all their enemies, and, and each of the tribes took each one place of, of their land that they wanted to take, and this is the time of Joshua. And so Joshua has just died, and all kind of his generation has just died, and here's what it says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 10. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge, somebody say acknowledge, acknowledge. the Lord, or remember, somebody say remember the mighty acts that he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods. Listen to this, church. This is so key right here. Reaching the next generation for Christ is an urgent priority of the church. It's an urgent priority of the church. For us, if we are going to walk wisely in the time that remains, you saw the jar that looked like it was almost a little bit empty there. There's a lot of time there, but we don't have a lot of time with them. And if we're going to use that time wisely, then we have to have an urgent priority that sharing about the goodness of God and how he's moved and what he's done is so important for this next generation. And we get that warning from Judges chapter 2. And here's why it's so important, because if we don't, or if we won't, or if we don't make it a priority, no matter how awesome or powerful the work in our day is, it will not matter. Because as they said, another generation grew up that did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the things he had done, and so they went away from the Lord. And if we think, man, God is just moving, it's so awesome, things are just happening, this is so great, and we keep it here and we don't share it with the next generation, there will be a generation that grows up that does not acknowledge the Lord. This to me is, any of you guys grew up in the 70s and the Jesus movement where like revivals were popping up, you're dating yourself, it's okay, go ahead and throw your hands up. We, hey, we love you guys, you're elders of the church, amen? Let's give them a hand. We need more of you. 
We need more of you. There was a movement that happened in the 70s. It was the Jesus movement. My parents got saved in the Jesus movement. And they'll tell you, man, it was awesome. They experienced the Lord. Revival broke out. There was a tremendous time that happened. And here you could fast forward 20, 30, 40 years later. Look how we've drifted from the Lord since those days. Where Jesus was on every street corner. Man, people, like people were getting saved in the thousands. And then look how far we've gone. Why? Because there's generations maybe that have not passed that baton on well. We've got to believe that it's time for us to pass the baton on well. We'll talk about that. So please hear my heart today, church. Today is not about we've missed it, what we're doing. I don't want to just sit here and say we've missed it, what are we doing? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge your heart today to say that we don't have to fall in the category of Judges chapter 2. Amen? We don't have to be the people who've missed the mark with the next generation. You hear us say this all the time. This is not a parental issue. I'm not talking to parents in the room, okay? Parents, you have a role to play. You know that. I'm talking to all of us as the body of Christ. All of us are called to the next generation. When I say a generation, I'm saying whoever is under you, I don't care if you're in the teens, there's somebody under you. I don't care if you're in the 20s, there's somebody under you. 30s, 40s, 50s, on up. There's somebody under you in which you can share the goodness of God with in the next generation, amen? And so when we talk about this, I want you to see this, that all of us have a role to play in here. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 78 real quick. Psalm 78, I don't want to just read through this and give two quick principles in this. Psalm 78, the psalmist has given an instruction for his day, but he's also given an instruction for our day as well. And here's what he says. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. So there's a call. He's saying, listen up to what I'm about to tell you. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. Look at verse 4. We will not hide these truths from our children. Listen to me, church. I'm going to get on a soapbox real quick, quick. We will not hide these truths from our children. Something has happened in our day and age today where we're a little fearful of everything that the Bible says. I want you to know, I believe every word of scripture. If God says he can move mountains, he can move mountains, amen? If God says a big fish swallowed Jonah, then he was in the belly of a whale for three days, amen? Yes, I believe in figurative language and I believe in literal language as well in scripture. And I'm telling you, the reason I believe in it is because that's what makes God supernatural. I can't see it naturally, so God must be doing it supernatural, amen? And so when we read these things, sometimes what happens is we've got these truths from the word, but we're a little bit shy to share them because we don't want to feel stupid and we don't want our families to feel stupid, right? And so what we do is we're like, yeah, I mean, I guess God can do those things, but let's not focus on that. Let's just talk about the love of God, right? But that's not what the psalmist is saying. We will not hide these truths from our children, amen. We will tell them We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. We see that again. And they in turn will teach their own children. Look at verse 7. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands, they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Amen? Amen. So here we are. We're setting up here and we're saying that this is how important, in Psalm 78, this is the charge to the church. This is how important it is to make sure that you and I know that we're supposed to steward the generations under us well. That we're supposed to pass the baton Well, and so let me just share a couple of thoughts on this. Really, I feel like what the heart of this psalmist is saying is simply this. He's making a big deal about making God's name a household name. Somebody say household. A household name means it's like an everyday. It's just... It's just, that's our household name, man. It's there all the time. A household name means it's an everyday thing. There's something about making God a household name that you and I need to latch onto. It's funny. It's really not funny. It's more of like an ironic, like sad funny that that for many, our time with God is simply on Sunday mornings at church. That our time with God is simply on Sunday mornings or Bible studies or life groups. And that God is not necessarily a household name. He's more of a life group name. God is not necessarily a household name. He's more of a Sunday morning name. And so there's something going on where you and I need to begin to make God a household name in our households. Say, in my household. household. And I've told you this a thousand times, but I'm going to reiterate it again. 
The church was never built on coming to a Sunday morning experience and hearing a guy stand on a stage and share the word of God, and then that's your, the God that you've gotten for that week. That's never what it was supposed to be. It was always supposed to be a Monday through Sunday experience where God was your household name. Amen? Amen. Your household name. Let me share this because I think it's so important. For us to raise up the next generation, we have to make God this household name no longer. And I'm, the church has kind of done an injustice a little bit. I'm going to bag on the church, okay? Not you guys, the church, okay? What we've done is we've created groups like youth group, which is great. I want you to know we have a fantastic youth group on Wednesday nights. And kids ministry, we've got a fantastic kids ministry. But somehow what we've told those kids is you're going to go there and get your God, and then they're going home, spending most of the time in their homes, and not hearing the household name of God. Amen? Not, you hear what I'm saying? Love you, he's got to become a household name. And so he says, I will teach, he says, I will, te- uh, I will teach you hidden lessons from your past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and how his power and how his mighty wonders uh, worked in our lives. Look, you're, you're, you're going to see your neighborhoods, and you're going to see your kids, and you're going to see your neighbor kids spend more time in your neighborhoods than they will ever see in a church. And so passing this on, he's not talking about church. He's not talking about the book of Acts. They weren't talking about the church. They were talking about all of the people together imparting this as a household name of God. Oh, I could go on and on and on, which I am here in just a minute. God needs to be a household name among his people that we talk about him, and it doesn't have to be weird, okay? It doesn't have to be weird that we truly believe knowing God is a real experience. Listen to me, church, that we truly believe that knowing God is a real experience, not a head knowledge, but a real experience that you've experienced and you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good. For God to be a household name, we have to remember and acknowledge the thing that he is doing, that it's so easy to focus on the negative things, but we have to remember the way that God has moved in our lives. We have to be able to share that. We have to be able to share with the neighbor kids and our own kids. We have to be able to share is if you're an educator or, or you teach in kids or you teach in youth or you're an aunt or you're an uncle, your grandpa or your grandma, if you have any interaction with kids, you've got to remember that you've got to share about how God moved in your life, that we serve a real God, not just a God who's stuck and bound in pages, amen, but a God who's real and he's active and he's breathing and he's doing stuff every single day. And you know what they're going to key in on? Tell me how he's moved in your life. Tell me how he's moved in your life. That's what they want to know. Because you read me stories all the time about Paul, and you read me stories all the time about Moses, and you read me stories all the time about Peter, but dad, I want to know how he's moved in your life. Something is stirring for us to share with the next generation. Yes, they want to know scripture. Yes, this is the most important foundation for them. But they want to know, have you experienced what you're telling me? Have you experienced what you're telling me? My great-grandpa lived to be 101. He was born in 1905, 1903, 1905. My favorite memories as a child, when we would go to my great-grandpa's house, is we would sit down, and he was super sharp all the way into his death. He was super sharp. And we'd say, Grandpa, just tell us stories about the old days. And he would tell us stories about how he was like, I remember when there were roving bands of Indians. I remember covered wagons still coming. I re- I rem- and he's telling us all these things. He goes, I remember when there were still wild buffaloes. I mean, we're fascinated by these stories. He's like, I remember all of these things that we used to joke around with my dad going, dad, you remember those things too, right? And and I remember sitting there and they became real to me. Here's why. I read about all those things in history books. I read about Buffalo. I read about Covered White. I read about all those things. And it was neat. But when my great grandpa told me his experience, I was there. I wanted it. I was like, that's the greatest thing ever. I I wish I was there. I wish I could experience that. You guys know what I'm talking about? We've got to begin to make God a household name of the things that we've experienced with him. So how do we make God a household name? Well, you can't give what you're not passionate about. You can't give what you're not filled with. In the Wallace family, there's a household name that we really hang on. And that household name is the Kansas State Wildcats. Do I hear an amen? But just talking about it with my kids, like I wanted my kids to know, like this is the greatest school ever. That's what I wanted to know. 
And so just talking about it, and they just really didn't really buy into it. It wasn't that big of a deal. And so I needed my kids to know the greatness of K-State, amen? My wife went to Nebraska, but they really didn't have a good football program. So um, totally messing with you, babe. Remember, I got your Mother's Day card. Um, In the bathroom. Touche, my friend. Like, so what I, so what I did is I'm like, they, I, I'm talking about, guys, you don't understand, K-State's awesome, K-State's awesome. They didn't get it. So I remember taking my son, Tyson, you remember this. I took him to a K-State game, and he got to take it in. He got to be in the crowd of people. He got to hear the roaring and hear the chants. He got to see the team, and he got to see all of the things that I had been trying to tell him. He experienced what I was talking about. And let me tell you what happened after that. I remember when Tyson came home, all of a sudden, K-State became his favorite team. Out of all things, before that, he was like, yeah, it's okay. Now he's like, Dad, I, 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 I want to go to K-State. I want to play football at K-State. And I was like, please, Lord, that would be great. That would be awesome. <laughs> he's like, Dad, I, wanna, I, wanna, I just I want to go to K-State. Started hanging posters on his wall. Every conversation was about K-State. And then all of a sudden, what he would do, he, he'd go to school, and people would tell him, no, K-State's not that good. We like Texas or Texas Tech or whoever, right? And they would tell him all these other teams, and he would sit there and argue about why K- K-State was the greatest team. Because something in his heart experienced something. Now imagine if there was Jesus in his life. Imagine if he was putting posters of Jesus on his wall. (laughs) Some of you, that's creepy. Some of you guys are thinking that's creepy, right? Imagine if the things that he was so passionate about, Dad, I just got to serve God the rest of my life. Dad, that's what I want. I want nothing else. I don't even care about, you know, playing football at K-State. It would be hard, but I would be okay with that. Like, I just want Jesus Imagine if Jesus was the household name where at the end of the day, that's all this generation wanted was him and nothing else because he became that household name. Their hearts get stirred because we talk about it. Their hearts get stirred because they see the experience that we've had in it. Now imagine if Jesus was that household name. That's exactly what verse four is talking about in a much more important way that it's our responsibility that the next generation know about the greatness of God so that the next generation can experience the greatness of God. That they can experience all that God has done. That they, shouldn't, should, they should hear about it, they should see it, they should, but then one day they should be able to testify to it. I was meeting with a guy the other day, and we were in a coffee shop. He's one of the greatest guys I know, and he's just a, he's got a pastor's heart, just a phenomenal guy, and he was telling me, we were talking about intimacy with Jesus. You know, we talk about intimacy a lot with Jesus, about going, man, I don't want just a head knowledge. Like, I want a love affair with the God of the universe. That's what I want, and so he was telling me just how kind of God had given him this, showed him a little bit of what that looks like, and he goes, imagine your relationship with God like a buffet, where he says, you've just stuffed yourself, just stuffed yourself, just stuffed yourself. He said, and then somebody comes up and says, hey, do you want a piece of pie? If you've ever been to a buffet, and then you just literally stuffed yourself, and they go, do you want a piece of pie? As enticing as that pie is, you're probably gonna be like, dude, I cannot eat another bite, right? Now imagine the same scenario, and you're starving. You didn't go to a buffet, and you're absolutely starving, and somebody comes up and says, do you want this pie? You're like, absolutely, and you feed it, and you want more, and you want more, and you want more. And he said, imagine if our intimacy was like that with God, where we've just visited a buffet of God, and we've stuffed ourselves and experienced the goodness of God, so that when the world comes and says, hey, I want to offer you something else, you're like, I don't want it. Even though it looks enticing, you're like, I am so full of God right now, I can't take that. I just can't. I can't have anything else, man. I'm so full of the goodness of God. You don't understand how God is working in my life. I don't want the, even though it's enticing and it's pulling at every heartstring and every desire that I have in my chest, I don't want it because, man, I'm so full of the goodness of God. On the other side, imagine if you're not full of the goodness of God because God's not a household name, He's just a Sunday experience. You're starving and you'll take whatever the world hands you on a plate and you'll ask yourself, why? Why am I taking these things? I don't want these things because we've got to stuff ourselves with the things of God. This is this generation today. This generation is going to take whatever the world hands them. Why? Because somewhere along the lines, we've made it a Sunday experience or a Wednesday youth group or a kids ministry thing, but we haven't made him a household name. Amen, church. We're at the house. You're feeding up servings of Jesus. (laughs) And your kids are getting stuffed on it. 
And so we want to stir our hearts and we want to make God into our everyday language. We want to talk God in everyday language. We want to make God our shop talk, if you want to say it like that. When situations come up, when we're trying to figure out solutions, when we're looking for an encouraging word for this generation, when we're going to work and we can't figure things out, we want to everything to stem from the word of God. We want to speak God into every situation in life. The issue with this generation, and I believe this, the issue with the generations be below us, the issues with the generations that are yet to come, is that if we don't make God our everyday house talk, we will lose out on this generation. Because we're not showing them and reminding them of a living God, we're simply showing them and reminding them of a religion that is worthless. So what does this produce, real quickly? What does this produce? Verse seven, so each generation should set its hope anew. Somebody say anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So here's the thing. He's saying, when you do this, when you share, when you experience, when you throw out what God has done for you, not just what you've read about. Again, this is key. Listen, this is key. The word of God is key. This is the truth. But when you share how the word of God has transformed your life and this is what you start feeding the next generation, I'm telling you right now, when you do that, he says, each generation will set its hope anew on God. They'll see that the hope of the world is no longer for them. They'll set their hope anew on God. Set their hope on God. That's what we want them to do. It's so easy for our hopes and our our desires to, to go after things that don't satisfy and that disappear. But that's not what we want in this next generation. What we want in this next generation is steadfast, not a fickle generation, a steadfast generation whose spirit is faithful to the Lord and who he is and what he can do. And the vision that he gives here in this Psalm 78 is that if we do this, their hope will be set on God. Not more information, but on the information that transforms lives. It's what their hearts are longing for. It's how they're finding their purpose. It's what he's done for them, and they're never going to forget it. And how does it come? By, again, experiencing and tasting. Literally, Scripture says, taste and see the Lord is good, that we get to share our experiences and how God is moving in life. And this may be your experience. Some of you guys are sitting out there going, I don't know what that looks like. What does that look like? It may be you waking up, and this may totally weird your family out because this has not been you, but it will be you. It may be waking up and having breakfast with your family one morning and just saying, kids, I want to share something with you. I want you to know the goodness of God is that we have the finances to have this house. Kids, I want you to know that the goodness of God is that God gave me a job and I'm so happy in my job. The goodness of God is that although our family struggles sometimes, we're always going to stick together because our foundation is Christ. Do you know how that stirs a child's heart? Do you know how that stirs? I mean, I'm just showing that in those little ways. Some of you are going to have miracle stories. Let me tell you about the goodness of God. He healed my cancer. Let me tell you about the goodness of God. When I thought that there was no way and everything was stacked up against me, this is how God blew through the door. Some of you are going to have stories. Some of you are not going to have those stories. You're just going to have stories how God was faithful in the day today. Share those. Share those with the next generation that their hope will be anew in him and in nothing else. I was thinking about this, and one day, my kids are going to look back on the experiences that we've had together. One day, I want my kids, when they're all grown up, they're going to, they're going to come, and they're going to do I'm going to go, kids, do you guys remember when Daddy took you guys to Disney World? And they're going to go, Dad, you never took us to Disney World. I'm going to go, you're right, but you remember when I took you to Branson? And it's a lot like Disney World, because <laughs> you've never been, right? <laughs> come on, parents, do I hear an amen to that? And they're going to go, yeah, Dad, we remember Branson. It was awesome, right? Forget Disney World. <laughs> Branson was awesome. Dad, we went swimming at Table Rock, and we rolled the roller coasters, and we went to Silver Dollar, and all those kinds, kinds of things. And, and I'm going to go, do you remember, like, just in that moment, what did you feel? And they're like, Dad, we just, I, we just our family was just awesome. I remember that, Dad. They're going to tie something that they remember that all the days of their life we've said we love you. There's nothing that you cannot do that we will not love you in. And they're going to tie that to an experience that we've had. And it's the same thing in Scripture. We're going to know the Word of God, and we're going to remember that God is faithful, and we're going to tie that to an experience that we had when God was faithful. And we're going to impart that to one another. And then from that, they're going to remember their hope is going to be set anew, that no matter where my journey goes, I've always got my family. I've always got my family. 
as I was picturing this, um, I was literally picturing what this looks like kind of in the everyday life. And, and some of you guys are going, yeah, but what about if we don't have kids or never want kids or, you know, our kids are grown and, and they're out of the house. Listen, I, what if our neighbors, I live over here in Southern Ridge and some of you guys live in all these different, what if we had this like hub, this house, I'm not saying this is what it's going to be because this could be weird too, um, but what if you had a house where like all of like the teens and kids are coming over and like you're, like you're telling them about the goodness of God, like you're feeding them, I don't know, maybe it's the park, I don't know what it looks like. But you're, feed, you're telling them the stories of how God invests in your life because the world is telling them everything else. It's telling them where to put their hope. You better get a good job. You better build up your, your finances because this world's gonna come after you. The world is telling them what to put their hope in and we have the answer here to raise up the next generation. You see, church, there's a temptation in this room for everybody in this room. Band, you guys can come up. There's a temptation in this room where it's very easy for you and I to say, you know what, um, I feel like that I'm supposed to just finish my race well and not worry about everybody else's race. Let me tell you something about the word of God. The word of God doesn't talk about just you finishing your race well. <laughs> yes, it's very personal and we're supposed to finish our race well, but do you know everything that the word talks about is about corporate things together? that there's this corporate mandate that we're supposed to finish well together as the body of Christ, that God is coming back for a pure and spotless what? Bride, that the bride is all of us together. And so yes, very much so, we've gotta finish this thing well individually, but we also help each other run the race that we're called to run. Jesus, in his ministry, never solely focused on his own race, because if he had, once he was dead and then risen up again, he could have just went up to the Father and forgot about everybody else. But his whole entire life that he was on planet Earth, he focused to make sure that everybody else was gonna finish well as, as well. This was Jesus' ministry, this was his mandate, and this is why he says in John chapter 12, verse 24, a very hard truth that we need to grab hold of. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, somebody say dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels and a plentiful harvest of new lives. There's something about giving up our lives for the generation beneath us. There's something about giving up our lives for the generation that's not even yet born. There's something about giving up our time and our energies and our talents, and we're all busy. We all, you know, we're all busy. But there's something about saying, you know what, I know I'm busy, but this is the most important thing that I pass this baton on well. My, my son was in his first year in seventh grade and they had track. And if you've never been to a seventh grade track meet, it's horrendous, all right? kids are going through awkward stages and you know they, they just it's more of like a social gathering and when you're a competitive person you're like I can't be here right but one of the things they put him on was relay race four by one four by two and, and I remember watching them and I love relay race because I love I love to watch when they do it in the Olympics and how smooth they pass the baton on it's just effortless and seventh grade is not effortless and I'd come home and I'd be like oh why don't you guys work on passing the baton and be like, because we're just out there having fun, Dad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I believe that when you're in a relay race, it's not just about passing the baton, but it's how you pass it that's important. Because how you pass it can either cost you the race, you can drop the baton, or you'll be so far back that it's hard to catch back up. You see, church, I don't think that we have any issues in here believing that we're supposed to pass the baton on. I think that we have issues of how that looks. So today, my challenge to you is to, to pass the baton on well. And how do we do that? We start by making God a household everyday name. Not a Sunday name, not a pastor share it with my kids name, not a pastor share it with the neighbors, that I, I carry an experience with God inside of me. And if you're out there today and you're like, I don't know that I've ever had an experience of God, then let me tell you what your prayer is for this next week. God, meet me right now. Meet me in this moment, meet me in this week. God, I will come and I will meet with you. So God, will you come and meet with me? Draw near to me, God's promises, I will draw near to you. So if you're saying, I don't know that I have an experience, you're alive and you're breathing, aren't you? Pass it on to somebody. Let them know that the breath in your lungs is not your breath, but the breath that God has given you. Pass it on and let them know. So here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna ask if you're 
18 or younger, stand up in this place. 18 or younger. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you. 18 or younger. You're, you're one generation, okay? 18 or younger, I'm going to pray over you. Father God, I pray over this 18 and younger generation, 19 and younger. If you're 19, stand up. This teen generation. I pray over this teen generation, God, that they would remember that the God of the Bible, that the God of the universe is not bound in pages, that he's working every single day. I pray, God, that you would make their hope anew in you, that you would make their hope anew in you, that their hope would not be in the things of this world, but that their hope would be anew in you. God, I pray that this young generation right here would take the baton that wants to be passed on to them and they would take it well. And then, God, that they are passing it on to a generation that's not yet born yet because, God, they're going to share about the experiences of who you are. They're not going to go off to college. They're not going to go off to high school or middle school. They're not going to go off to this next adventure in their life and go, I just don't know if I believe in this, God. I don't want to just believe in what somebody's told me. But I pray that they would experience you, Father, and have encounters with you. So we pray over this generation. Stay standing. If you're in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and on up, stand up. That's everybody else in the room. I want to pray over you. Father God, I pray over 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, on up, 70s, 80s, 90s, and if we have a 100-year-old, I want to meet him in this place, Father, because I believe what that psalmist said, if you just give me one more chance, God, before I die, I want to speak the power of God to this next generation. And I pray, God, for every single person that's standing now that they would know that they have a mandate inside of their lives, that the DNA of Jesus is inside of their lives, and that they will pass on not just something that they heard in VBS 20 years ago, but something that they've experienced today, Father. And I pray, Father, for those in this room that says, I don't know what that experience looks like. Will they encounter you, God? Would you come and encounter them this week? God, that they can just declare that the breath of God in my lungs today, I'm going to pass that on to the next generation. I pray, Father, that right here, Jesus, we are saying as a people, we want to pass the baton well. That we want to do it well. We want to hand off well, God, so that future generations, God, will look and see that their hope is set anew in you and nothing else. And so, God, I pray for every person standing in this room. We are the people who bring the gospel to the next generation. And so I pray that that mandate and the experience that we have with you, Jesus, is so real that we cannot hold it inside. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.